Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. You know, we are having a very special day. It's a day we call BCS Day. It's a Baptism Communion Sunday. And uh, part of what's involved in Baptism and Communion are pictures. Pictures are always a representation of reality. When we saw the baptisms where people were being baptized, and uh, part of the picture is that they were so identified with Christ that they were buried with him, basically dying with him, and then they rise again to new life, uh, identify with his resurrection. And that's a picture that they're actually performing for us, but there's a spiritual reality behind that picture of being baptized. That's the way pictures work. They're a representation of reality. Many of you know that uh, last December, uh, my son Kyle and his wife Brittany were expecting their very first child, um, but they lost Hannah Grace Hess because even though she was full term, uh, she had a knot in the cord uh, and she didn't really make it. But also, I know that many of you know that earlier this month on November the 4th, God very graciously gave to my son Kyle and his wife Brittany a a son, Lincoln David Hess. And what a great thrill it was for for that to happen. And when Lincoln David was born to Kyle and Brittany, uh, my wife Janet and uh, our daughters had an opportunity to go down there and see and hold. I think we have a picture of Kyle and Brittany with that new baby boy, Lincoln David Hess there, yeah. And uh, thank you, that's pretty exciting. They got to go down, but I haven't had the opportunity yet to go down. And so really all I have are some pictures of Lincoln David. And uh, you know, when you look at those pictures, it's not reality, but it's a picture of reality. And when when I look at that picture, you know, my heart is reminded that there is a reality of this young guy called Lincoln David Hess. And when I look at that picture, there's this surge of appreciation and love that comes out of my heart. Looking forward to this next week going down and actually being able to meet Lincoln David in person and to hold him. Pictures are a representation of reality, and today we want to talk about, as we anticipate taking communion together, we want to talk about the picture of the cross as we gather around the Lord's table. Now, if we could switch over to that picture of the cross, Uh, when we look at the picture of the cross, it is a reminder in our heart of the reality of what actually happened there. And as we look at the picture of the cross, it gives us a fresh surge of appreciation and love for all that the cross means for us. Pictures are a representation of reality. And even when you gather around the Lord's table, there are pictures. We have the picture of the bread, which stands for his body that was given for us. And we have the picture of the cup, which stands for his blood that was shed for us. And so we are going to be able to enjoy today the picture of the cross. You know, when we talk about the cross in our day and age, we have such a sanitized emotional reaction to it 
that in New Testament times, they had a much different feel to the cross. The cross was a symbol of death. Primarily, the cross was only associated with those who were very guilty people, people who were robbers or rebels or assassins or, or terrorists. The cross in that day and culture was a symbol of being accursed by God. Think about it. You had naked, dead bodies that would be on a cross exposed to public shame. In Galatians 3.13, Paul writes, Christ became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So in that day, when the word cross would come up, they'd have a very different emotional reaction to it. But what's really interesting to me about the cross is the cross is really a crossroads. It is the single most important event since the beginning of the universe. And as we look at the picture of the cross, there's a reality behind that we need to be reminded of. You know, if you look at the cross, you have that vertical post and then you have the horizontal cross beam that is part of the cross. And ultimately what happens when we look at it, here's one way that you can, you can view it. At the cross is where the justice of God and the love of God intersect. And I just want you to think about that for a moment. Remember, you have the, the horizontal element. And, and think of that horizontal element as a picture of the justice of God, of the scales of the justice of God that could go either way. And what does the Bible teach us? It teaches us that all of us have sinned. At the very core of our being is this tendency that you have and I have to live independent of God. And the Bible teaches us that there is no one from God's perspective who is righteous, not even one. Another way to look at it is human beings Basically, what God is communicating to us is that the sewage of sin runs in our veins. And therefore, we're all polluted. We're polluted in our mind. We're polluted in our heart. And that pollution gets expressed in our attitudes and our actions in our life. So that horizontal element in the cross represents the justice of God. And here's the dilemma. The justice of God says that every sin has to be punished. The justice of God says that God cannot overlook sin. And sin carries with it, as we know, the penalty of death and the penalty of the wrath of a holy God coming upon sin. So you have that horizontal element that is a picture of the justice of God, and what God's justice says is that somebody has to pay the price. Can't just look away. But here's what's neat in the picture of the cross. In the picture of the cross, you have the justice of God intersecting with a vertical element, which is a picture of the love of God, the love of God that came down from heaven down 
to us. And so the cross really communicates that the creator cares for those that he has created. Peter writes in his second letter in chapter 3 and verse 9, he says that God didn't wish for anyone to perish. That's what motivated the cross. And we're just simply reminding ourselves of this as we get ready to take of communion in a few moments. Because he didn't want any to perish. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me. God is an infinite God and only a life that had infinite value could satisfy the infinite wrath of God. And only God himself coming down from heaven to this planet could ever bring the kind of gift that we needed. And so the truth of the matter, and we're just reminding ourselves of this. We know this somewhat intellectually, but we want to connect with it more on the interior of our being. Jesus Christ entered into this world to take our place. That's why the Apostle John writes that familiar verse, God so loved the world that he gave his unique son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's always so good to just take that verse and insert your own name in there. God so loved Bruce that he sent his unique son that if Bruce would believe in him, he would not perish but have eternal life. Stick your own name in that statement for just a moment. God so loved you that he gave himself for you. Years ago in Brownwood, Texas, there was an elementary school. We're all familiar with elementary schools, and elementary schools have crossings. And you have a crossing guard at the elementary school. And this particular day, the crossing guard had his little sign. He was out there in the middle of the road as the little ones were preparing to cross. And there was this one five-year-old girl, a little kindergartner, who stepped down off the curb to cross the street. And the crossing guard noticed suddenly there was this car screaming at them down the street. And he realized that she was going to be hit by this car and there was nothing he could do with his little sign to slow the car down. So he ran over and he pushed her out of the way back towards the curb. And as he did that, he was hit by the speeding car and he was killed. That crossing guard died in her place. Exactly what happened with us. Jesus Christ the perfect son of God pushed us out of the way, so to speak, and died in our place. He took the punishment for our sin and he rose again from the dead. That's what we want to remember today, that my sin demanded hell, but on him the judgment fell. We're familiar what with what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. Speaking of Jesus, he says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. Why? Because of our sins. By his wounds we are healed. Now I want you to do something a little bit unusual today. I want you to trust me here. I want you to close your eyes. 
And I just want you to listen. And as these words are read in just a moment, I just want you to allow them to just sort of roll into your heart and mind and soul. I want to read some verses while your eyes are closed from Romans chapter 3. So just listen carefully. Listen in a fresh way. Paul writes these words. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God, in his gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. Men and women, the cross indeed is where the justice of God and the love of God intersect. And when we partake of communion, we're remembering this. We're sensing the reality behind the picture. We're celebrating the cross. We're thanking him for dying for us. We're remembering, we're celebrating, we're grateful for the single most important event, the greatest love story of all time, which is the story of the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to be, I really do tend to be pretty inconsistent when it comes to verbally expressing my gratitude to God. Oh, a lot of times I'll think about that. But verbally expressing gratitude to God, I'm way too inconsistent. I think we can all be like that. So in just the next moment or two, I want us as a church family together to out loud express our gratitude to Jesus Christ for what he has done. And so we're going to actually out loud read back to the Lord four different expressions of gratitude. And what I'm going to do is I'll read it first and then we'll, we'll read it together. So are you ready to do that? Let's verbally express our gratitude to him. The first statement we want to make is this. You were pierced for my transgressions. Let's all say that together. You were pierced for my transgressions. Second statement. You were crushed because of my sins. Let's say that out loud. You were crushed because of my sins. Third statement. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the punishment for my sins. Let's say that out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the punishment for my sins. And then the last statement of gratitude we want to make 
I'll read it first. Thank you, Jesus, for satisfying God's anger against me. Let's say that out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for satisfying God's anger against me. The picture of the cross and the reality that is behind it. What a picture. What an incredible picture it is. I want to lead us in prayer and ask that the worship team come up as we get ready to partake of communion together. So pray with me, please. Father, we just thank you for the picture of the cross, the incredible reality that is behind it. And Lord, we we recognize that we're not worthy of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And Father, we would pray that we would take advantage in these next few moments for an opportunity to confess anything maybe that's going on in our life, attitude-wise, action-wise, that we need to confess before we partake of the Lord's table together. And Father, we just really want to be freshly in tune with the incredible truth behind the cross. We want to have a fresh sense of thanksgiving and praise that is stirring in our hearts because he is worthy of being praised for all that he has done for us. We thank you for the opportunity we have to honor him. We thank you for the picture of the cross, and we pray in his name. Amen. Now, before we actually get to communion, we're going to take an opportunity to sing a couple of songs together. But this isn't singing to one another. This is ultimately singing to the Lord. So as we sing these songs, really think about communicating from your heart to the heart of God as we worship Jesus Christ. Surely His goodness 
you'll be receiving the elements. If you're new to Wildwood, we want you to know at Wildwood we practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member here to participate. We do believe that communion is designed for those who do have a personal relationship with Jesus as their rescuer from sin and judgment. If you don't yet know him, we want you to just maybe observe what goes on. But we want you to consider, if you know him, participating in the Lord's table together. And what we're going to do today, the, the, the way we're going to handle this, is you will receive both elements, the element of the bread and the element of the cup. And we want you to hold on to those. One of our themes for the day is to stand as one, and so we want to stand as one, uh, as a body, and we'll partake of the elements together. And then as the elements are being passed, take advantage of this just as an opportunity to be reflecting on communion. Part of the purpose behind communion is it's to have a purifying effect on our life. And we'll be reading some, some verses that just remind us of that as the elements are passed. So just be prayerful and listen to the Word of God and reflect. Do whatever you need to do to be ready to partake of communion in a few moments. So we're going to ask the folks to come forward now. has been slain for us. So let us feast upon him and grow strong in the Christian life, leaving entirely behind us the cancerous old life with all its hatreds and wickedness. 
Let us feast instead upon the pure bread of honor and sincerity and truth. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Therefore, never let sin rule your physical body so that you may obey its desires. Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. But give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you, for you are back from death, and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes. Now Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law's condemnation by Himself becoming a curse for us when He was crucified. The scripture is plain. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Let us, therefore, fling away the things that men do in the dark. Let us arm ourselves for the light of the day. Let us live cleanly as in the daylight, not in the delights of getting drunk or playing with sex, nor yet in quarreling or jealousies. Let us be Christ's men from head to foot and give no chances to the flesh to have its flame. Once for all, he took blood into the inner room, the holy of holies, and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves. No, he, he took his own blood himself made sure of our eternal salvation. With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both without and within. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of So overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son by whom we are saved and he has showered down upon us the richness of his grace. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. 
God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Live as obedient children before God. Don't let your character be molded by the desires of your ignorant days, but be holy now in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. He himself has said, you are to be holy, for I am. There is only one God and only one intermediary between God and men, Jesus Christ the man. He gave himself as a ransom for us all, an act of redemption which happened once, but which stands for all times as a witness to who he is. He gave himself for us that he might rescue us all our evil ways and make for himself a people of his own clean and pure with our hearts set upon living a life that is good. Always be thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us out of darkness and the gloom of Satan's kingdom. And he's brought us into the kingdom of his dear son, who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us all our sins. Have you forgotten that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you that you are not the owner of your own body. You have been bought. And at what a price. Use every part of your body to give glory back to God because He owns it. greatest story that's ever been told, the greatest story of all of history, even the history that is yet to come, the story of Jesus Christ giving up his body and his blood for you. We want to today, it's one of our themes, stand as one. I'm going to invite you now to stand up as we partake of these elements first one is the bread, which is a picture of his body, which is broken for you. And he said that we are to take that and to eat it. Let's do that now.
second part of communion is the cup, which is a picture of his blood that was shed for you. Let's hold that up. Think about that. His blood was shed for you. And he said we should drink the cup. Let's do that now. Father, we just thank you so much. We are so undeserving, Lord. It just moves my heart to think about how undeserving I am. We're so grateful for the cross. We're so grateful for the Savior. We just want to thank you. We want to honor you because of what you have done. We're just thanking you in the name of our Savior today. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may take a seat. We said one of our theme today is to stand as one, and and part of that involves remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have it so easy. And even as we're doing this right now in another part of the world, particularly in Syria and Iraq, we've got people who know the same Savior that we do. People that we're going to spend eternity with who are going through incredible difficulty. Some of them are being beat up physically. Some of them are even being killed. Their families are suffering. They're being cast out in the street with nothing. And we don't want to just stand by and do nothing. So we're going to take now this second offering, which is our stand as one offering, which will go completely towards bringing some relief to the persecuted Christians in Iraq and Syria. So as we take this offering, I want you to just be thinking about them. You can be even praying for them because we want to give like Christ gave. And not only that, but as we're giving, I want you to also be just worshiping the Lord with us. So let's take our offering now.
a great God we've got. Think about what Paul said to us in Romans chapter 12. When we think about everything that Jesus did, our reasonable service of worship is to present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. May that be our practice this week, especially this week as we have a special week set aside for Thanksgiving. We're thankful that you're here today. If you're here today and you would love to have someone pray with you about any kind of an issue in your life, we encourage you to come up here to your right afterwards. In the front, we have some people that are very excited to pray with you about whatever may be burdening your heart. Let's honor him with our life this week. Thank you for being here. You guys have a great Thanksgiving week.